watched it. Same. Do you I like have it on my watch list. Do you like extremely gritty, dark, violent crime dramas about ripping families apart and destroying everybody's lives? I think so. Sounds good. Yeah. I don't really care so much about the crime, but everything else sounds good. Yeah. It's it's money laundering. Like that that it's money laundering the show. It's rich people money laundering, basically. Um and it just goes. It's great. I don't know. It just finished, so I'm pretty happy. Is it happy finished on. finished or finished, just finished. that season? Finished finished. Oh okay. Like, done 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 done. Like they have an ending. It's canonically over. Um it's a crime series ending, so I won't say it's like entirely satisfying, but it's satisfying enough. It works. That makes and it you more appealing. Keep going. For some reason, I I find it easier to start shows that are already finished, and then I know that I'm not gonna go on for like ten more years. Yeah. So yeah, maybe I'll give it a try next. It also already won all of its awards, so you know it's it's got to at least be good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Good enough. The the problem is good. It being good does not necessarily mean that I'll enjoy it. That's the problem. But of I course. mean, it, it's, it's, you know, yeah. I don't know. Like, like, there was this trend in TV shows recently to make everything, like, dark and nitty gritty and hopeless and despair and everything is going to end. And I just hate it. I hate it. Isn't that it. great? No. Is that perfect? No. But see, this is, this is why Ozark is good. Because, yes, it is this gritty, dark crime show. But also there's a character who at one point kicks a mob boss's kid in the nuts and throws him off a boat. Um... And it's incredibly comedic throughout to the point where you're just laughing hysterically at this tower of cards falling. It's just, it it it, it balances out the kind of grimdark crime side with like pra almost like slapstick comedy moments and characters that are just downright hilarious. It's It's a good mix, but it is overwhelmingly dark at times. That does make it sound a little bit more appealing. So maybe. Like, there, there's whole characters that are just completely oblivious to everything that's going on that exist purely, not purely as slapstick comedy, but like pawns in the dark crime show that's happening. So there's like multiple layers to the insanity going on in the show. It's I don't want to spoil anything, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we heard about Ozark. How about we say hi to the listeners? Welcome to the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. This is episode 17. And I'm your host today. I'm Titi Kiri. Hello. Um, here with us is Blind IRL. Hello. It's interesting being int the one getting introduced. Hi. It's good to yeah, be here. Yeah, right? It's, it's also interesting to do the introducing while you, our usual host, is actually here. But I, I just have to host it. It's 17, right? Yeah. But we also have FD Squared here. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hi. We So we're recording at an unusual time, and it's my fault. But thank you for making the time blind on FG. Um, both maybe tired for different reasons. <laughs> thank you. The day's Glad winding down, I would say. My day yeah. is just starting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's okay. Same. It's <laughs> also starting. But yeah, so this episode is going to air on a Sunday, May the 8th and we're here to talk about games and the news and then for the last segment so stay tuned blind has prepared something funny do you want to tease it or is that enough teaser uh we'll, we'll just say there's gonna be a game show at the end all right cool i'm excited 
God, now I feel feel the pressure mounting. <laughs> pressure. No, it's it's all fun. No, that's, that's what true. the stack of books is for. That's that you've got on your head right now, right? This is an audio format. They don't know what we're doing currently, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, actually, actually, what I'm doing right now is cradling my over half a liter Christmas cup full of coffee. <laughs> <gasps> a Christmas cup. I love yes, it. Yes, it's it's a it's a Santa and a snowman on both sides. I got this from a friend of like oh god probably well actually I got this from a school friend so this mug is like twenty years old. Oh, I feel so old. <laughs> so, I I have my um like finishing school reunion post graduation reunion. I I would have had the ten years two years ago, but you know the thing happened. Um, but we're doing it this year and just celebrating the twelve years basically, and we're, we're meeting up again. And it's just so odd to think about this. Like, you know, that happened 12 years ago. And in 12 years, so many things can change. Because we did the, you know, five years and, you know, people were studying and people found work, but nothing, you know, major had happened. But now it's been 12 years. So it's actually quite exciting to see where people are now, what they've been doing. My, my school, actually, um, they do it every year, but it's just like a general, oh. like every student from this school can go and meet up at this one particular uh like pub location but the problem is it's the day before christmas and they incidentally did who it who has time yeah well 23rd they did it 23rd or 24th day before christmas 23rd 23rd so like you uh, like european day before christmas but because the, the original argument was people are going to be home quote unquote with their parents for christmas right so you make it the day before christmas I suppose. but like I don't travel on Christmas, so I've never actually been. But uh, <laughs> I, you, you just saying that makes me realize um, next month is my 20th anniversary of my high school graduation in the US. Wow. It's just insane. I don't 20 think, years. I don't think they're doing a reunion. I think they're waiting till 25, but that is mental. Mm. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, if you, I'm not sure if you plan to go there or not, but. Maybe you could even just join with video. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, or I don't know if they're gonna do one for twenty five or twenty. I don't know. Yeah. But maybe. Did they do like a Zoom call for twenty twenty? We just completely skipped it. Yeah, I think they skipped it too. Yeah. I don't know. Not that Ho dedicated. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> next year though, when uh, you know, hopefully everything is like more safer and everything is good. <laughs> Fingers crossed and. PAX East is happening um, because PAX East is in Boston and I went to school in Massachusetts. So maybe there's a chance I can hang out with some people as well, potentially. Cause that'd be cool. That'd be really cool, yeah. It's really weird that you guys have like this kind of thing with a sense of community attached to it because I was raised largely homeschooled. Like I, I took one high school class, but never officially graduated from high school. I took all the tests and I have a diploma that says I did it, but I graduated early and not part of a graduating class, not during that time of year. So I forget what year I graduated in sometimes <laughs> to the point where it's like, it's not an event that I even really recollect. It's weird. Is, I just got really a job one day. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because <laughs> uh, for for actually homeschooling in, I think we talked about this before, homeschooling in Germany is illegal. Like you're not allowed to do it. You have to go to school. Uh, for precisely that reason, so you interact with humans. 
<laughs> As somebody Humans? who was homeschooled and is in an area that has a largely um, not great public school system, at least it wasn't when I was younger, um, it's gotten better, but it's still not great. Um, I don't think either option was optimal. I think being homeschooled <laughs> has a lot of drawbacks, and I think the drawbacks outweigh the benefits. And I think that going to school has a lot of drawbacks, and I think that most of the drawbacks outweigh the benefits. Like you get socialization and bullying if you go to school, and you get isolation and PTSD if you don't. So it's like, mm. on either hand, it's like, well, I was alone without seeing friends three weeks at a time. Yeah, it's a balance. Yeah, it d doesn't seem ideal. But how is it like, what? did I just have the random question? Because Austria and Germany can be so similar, but also so yeah. different. Is it allowed in Austria? I have no clue. I can tell you, I don't know anybody who has been homeschooled, but I need to Google that now because I have no clue. <laughs> Today, so, so keep talking, I'll Google it. On the Halcyon so. Frequency podcast, we are learning about homeschooling around the world. I, I did all of my like end of <laughs> high school stuff when I was 15. And graduated shortly after turning 16. Oh, dang. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I, like, just wow, kind of stopped for quite a while and then just did grade 12. I see. Like, I, I took, like, two years off and then I just did grade 12 and then I went and got a job for a year. And then I played video games for two years. And then I went and got another job and then I moved out um, with odd jobs in between. But it was... A weird few years. Yeah, see, and I graduated from school when I was 20. <laughs> Not because I was, like, uh, slow or anything like that, but uh, back at, back in my day, <laughs> German school was, um, like, at least university, the, the university preparatory track was 13 years. Not 12, 13 years. And then uh, because I went to the U.S., for an exchange year, but I didn't go during 11th grade. I went after 11th grade. I wasn't allowed to skip the grade in Germany because grade 12 already count. Like the all the grades you get during grades 12 and 13 count for your final overall end of school grade, like your, your whatever, your Abitur grade, which is like the, mm -hmm. you know, uh, A-levels basically equivalent if you're talking like UK. So they don't allow you to skip that. But actually that was, I think, good for me because I think I started school just a little bit too early when I was like, cause I had just turned like six at the end of May and then started school in like August. And I, I don't, I th I should have waited a year. I think it would have been better. Mm -hmm. I think that school uh, for me was one of the bi like biggest like detractors from my life possibly. It's like everything beyond like grade seven for me, I haven't used, like it's all just lost memory. Like I, there's no reason for me to even have half that knowledge. Like, I'm never going to use trigonometry in my entire life. Um, why did I learn calculus? I don't know. <laughs> um, most of the ancient history stuff, I could learn more of that. That was fun. Um, but I thought it was boring when I was 16. I wanted to just go back into sports and musical instruments and other activities that were more creative and actually I interesting to me. I so. enjoyed calculus. That was the like part of math that was interesting and fun. <laughs> I liked trig. Math is interesting. <laughs> music is math. I like music. So I, I looked it up and homeschooling is actually allowed in Austria, yes. Oh, okay. And you, the parents don't even have to be teachers. They can just, you know, write a letter to the school board or, or not even the school board, like kind of the ministry, I suppose, and say, hey, I'm homeschooling my child. That's it. Interesting. I, I think 
the biggest issue that I have with homeschooling is if you live in a situation where I lived growing up, which is where a lot of homeschooled kids here live, i.e. slightly out of town in less populated area, the only people that you can have as friends growing up are people that your parents allow you to have as friends. Mm -hmm. Which means very quickly it becomes very difficult to make friends with different people. And so you end up in kind of like this echo chamber. I What really saved me actually was a friend of mine named Ash who I met at a Bible school that my parents sent me to one summer um, who now is like the co-founder of a pretty successful political magazine and moved to Toronto and has had a very successful career. So good for him. But um, he was like the most normal kid ever. Um, just was way into politics, listened to heavy metal and uh, liked video games and kind of got me out a lot out of, of a lot of the um, more messy things that were rattled into my brain from being isolated all the time, um, which was really weird because a few years later when I actually got employed, um, I met all of his old high school friends after he'd moved. So he moved away and then I went and got a job in town and everybody's like, oh, you knew that guy? Yeah, we knew that guy. Yeah, he, he went to our, you live next, you live like, because I lived next door to him, which was like a 45 minute walk. Um, but like, totally next door, yeah. Yeah, next, it was, he was the next house up with a kid in it. So that counts as next door, okay? Um, Fair like enough, okay. Three crack houses in between and like a few random cabins off in the middle of nowhere with a guy with a rifle in it. It's, it's kind of where I grew up. So it was like, he was the nearest friend, like kid nearby. Um, and with the exception of a, another kid who was way older than me. So it was like, I kind of had this one guy who just, he influenced my music taste and helped me get back, like stay into video games, even though I had crappy internet and no way to play them really. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting, like how connections that you make yourself, not connections that your parents make for you, um, actually influence your life going forward. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Video games are great, yeah. right? Shall we I have a short break and then talk about what we've played this week? I think we should. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you after this break. Hey, my name is Arch from Arch Play Stuff, and you're listening to the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. I'm not on this one, but if you want to catch me live on Twitch, you can at twitch.tv slash archplaystuff. Happy listening. And we're back with the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, episode 17. And I'm Tony Curie. We're joined by Blind IRL and FT Squared. Hi. And to be back. Now we're going to talk about games. FG, you have a... So we, we have a document where we write down what we've played. FG, just play the most games. You want to start? Yeah, I, I somehow I always <laughs> end up being that person with all the games. But uh, I, I guess that happens when you kind of showcase... Six? Sort of... Am I counting this right? <laughs> Six like games. Like two, one, one, two four, five, five, five. Five, five, okay. Because one has like the longest a really long... name ever. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. I might be able to top that longest name, but no, it, it's, it looks very, very long. Mm. Yeah, it, it just kind of happens because sometimes I have like these days where I just play lots of like small or unknown indie games and then they just I just do them for like an hour or two at a time and then it kind of pops up. But the thing I've played... The That's great. Yeah. Uh, but the thing I've played with the most this week is trains on Mars. Trains! 
in Surviving Mars. So Surviving Mars got a new DLC, not this week, but last week already. But I was busy playing on a different planet, uh, on the on the planet of Dune. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I didn't get to play with the trains until this week. And um, yeah, so so actually they had they even had three DLCs out. There's the train DLC, which was Martian Express. They have a new radio station out. And a cosmetic pack for some dome buildings. So nothing like super major. Um, but uh, meow, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, the train is the the trains is the one that changes the gameplay the most. And I actually really like this DLC. This is a DLC that wasn't made by the new developers of Surviving Mars Abstraction. This is one of the content creator packs. So this is um, uh, basically a, a mod or rather a, a DLC made by the pre pretty much the most, the two most prolific modders of Surviving Mars. And basically what it allows you to do is trains are for commuting people because the problem with Surviving Mars is in the domes, the people don't go far from their domes to work. But with trains, you can now have have them stay in one dome and literally go to work on the other end of the map. So it's That a, sounds really good. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really great gameplay edition it's just a bit too expensive for what it oh, adds okay. that's the one biggest issue that i have with that dlc it's great i really like it but it's over five pounds and if i look at green planet which is one of their major expansions that's 20 pounds that's like it's four times the price but it adds way more than four times the content so okay my recommendation would be get it but get it when it's on sale. Because it's really good, but it's a bit too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and it will be on sale eventually. It will be on sale eventually. Yeah. Heck yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. How how do the trains work? Do you just place them like a road or do you need something else for it? Fuel or anything? Uh, you don't need fuel. You need to build them. You need to build the stations on, on either mm -hmm. end. And then you need to build the track in between. And then you need to build the trains. And then you assign the trains to the different tracks. And then you okay. can have them go back and forth. And the cool thing is, it's not just for people. You can also transport resources. And you can also transport um, life support resources. So water and air. So they open up the gameplay so much, actually. Like, it's it's like a breath of, a breath of fresh air, almost. It's. I kind of wish trains had been in for a long time now, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Come I think, think it's really it. cool that they, that they took modded content and and actually made it into the official game. I think yeah, that's amazing. This is this is the second time they've actually done that. They already did that with oh, um, the con oh god, what it has such a weird name. Is it contemporary contemporary buildings pack? There was a building pack that added a whole bunch of stuff as well. Um that was also done by modders. Paradox has done this as well with City Skylines. They uh mm. had multiple 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 uh creator packs of cities stuff. So. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's awesome. I I played a game with trains as well. I didn't put that on the list earlier because I forgot. But then you mentioned trains and I thought, wait, that was that was this week. Trains. So <laughs> um I, I played the playtest closed beta for Sweet Transit, which is a city builder, and the only way of transportation is by train. Um that's why I asked how trains work in Surviving Mars, because in Sweet Transit, where everything is just about trains, it's a bit more complicated. So you build a train depot, 
And then you can customize your trains as in you want to have a locomotive there and then you want to have a, a wagon for people or a cargo wagon or something. Then you build the tracks. They can be very crazy. And then you need signals. Oh, and the stations, of course, but train signals and chain signals. And it broke my brain <laughs> so bad. I just, I tried to do a two-way track because, I don't know, I just, I just like to break my brain, I suppose. And then use signals. And I did the tutorial, but I, I don't really understand how they work. And it was really funny because chat knew everything about trains because, you know, people love trains. And then I just, I don't know, trial and error it. And eventually it was time to end the stream. Too bad. But a fun, <laughs> fun game, I suppose. I, yeah, I don't I, know. I could kind of get a vibe the way you're talking about trains and I feel you. Um, <laughs> I I always want to get way into these and I'm, I'm looking at this game and I'm, I'm remembering now that when it got announced um, and it thinking that, oh, that looks like pretty isometric uh, old train games like uh, Open TTD and uh, yeah, Simu Trains yeah. and that kind of thing. Except it's similar. Like, it's one of those. And I always hit this wall where like, I, I love playing, especially the single player ones. I love playing them by myself and I love playing like the first... 5% of the game where you build those first few runs and you start making a little bit of money and I feel real happy. But the second mm -hmm. it starts like, oh, I need to run multiple trains on this and they're going to crash into each other. That's where everything just like falls down. Yeah. Like, right. I don't know how trains work. And also I just don't care to learn how trains work. So I'm just going to close <laughs> this now and then three years from now reopen it again and play the very early stages and feel happy again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I, I could have done it easier with just having a a one-way track, right? No signals needed. Everything's good, but eventually your city will grow and you need more resources and then you need more trains and then where are you going to put the tracks? So yeah, starting is fun. And then when it gets complicated, I'm just, okay, <laughs> I've, I've seen it. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, I uh, I missed out on Sweet Transit. I, I had the dates wrong because in my brain I was like, oh, I'll do it on Thursday. But Thursday was already a date after the playtest was over, so I kind of ah, missed see. out. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Like that, that's, I'm yeah, definitely going to play it. That looks good. I think it's going to be good. And yeah, it's just, I love the you need a brain for it. Mm, I need love to, the look of it. Did you just say I need a train for it? <laughs> I want to say brain. I'm not sure what I said. Maybe I want to say train brain and then I made it uh, anyway. I don't know. I, I, to be yeah. fair, I've played lots of open TTD and mm. I know how to use signals in that. So I should be ready good. and good to go. Hopefully. Fingers yeah, crossed. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I, one thing I, I do want to ask about Sweet Transit is why are they doing a open beta for a single player game? It was a closed, or closed, a closed one? beta for a single player game. Um, I don't know. Get the word out. Okay. Yeah. To I guess. Yeah. Test it to I get feedback. So. I suppose. I provide feedback, like simulation sickness feedback. Yeah. yeah it's uh, <laughs> um, the, the email basically said just to get like people to play test the game um, and okay. get the word out because they were like, yeah, you can create videos and stream it and all that sort of stuff um, as well if you want to. 
Because the fact that like that game doesn't have multiplayer puts it kind of in direct competition with Voxel Tycoon, which is my favorite mm-hmm. of those mm-hmm. right now, which is currently the one that I boot up once every six months and bang my head against it for 45 minutes and then close it. Um, <laughs> but that, that game also has like like mini Factorio building as well because you have to build a mini Factorio factory on every major depot and then Factorio that into your trains while you're also mm. doing the trucks, trains, and everything else. So, like, that that game is a bit much. Um, but I, I, I feel like it's kind of lacking if it doesn't have the multiplayer stuffs. But that's just my observation yeah, from maybe, that side. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, they'll add it eventually. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. There's still time. Yeah, I don't think they have an actual release date yet. It's just sometime this year. Yeah. Curious. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Look forward to seeing more of it. Yeah, it was definitely fun to check out. Also, um, not, uh, yeah. of, of important to note, that is also a single deft game. Sweet Transit, that is. Oh, really? So, yes. Oh, I didn't uh, know and that. And Mashinki, I guess, then. Yeah, Mashinki too, The other yeah. single yeah. dev transit game. True, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think Voxel yeah. Tycoon is two people. Wow. I think. That's, that's so impressive. Holy moly. It is really impressive, yeah. I, pl- I played another game with by just one person this week. It's called Age of Grit, and it's a cowboy steampunk RPG. It looked really fun. Like, it, it has this 2D, I don't know, 90s optic, mm. I suppose. And it, I didn't realize it was so text-based or text-heavy, I suppose. Yeah, okay. Because there's, there's also, a, like, turn-based combat, which was fun, and you traverse, you have this airship, like, steampunk airship, you traverse a map and then you go to a town, but then it, everything's just text-based, really. So it wasn't ideal for streaming. Um, the, the idea was fun, and there's a story, and I would like to know, you know how it continues. However, for a text-based game, it has like, I don't know, we, we stopped counting fonts or font types after we came to six, I suppose. So there are so many different types of fonts in there, and none of them are properly legible. <laughs> It's so horrible. Yeah, you started but... talking about the game, and I opened up Steam, and I was looking at the screenshots. So you're absolutely right. Yes, and it it makes kind of sense in a way because the the fonts all they fit the theme of you know cowboy. They fit the theme of steampunk, but it, they're so difficult to read, and it's a text based game, and it's just yeah. So that was my issue with it. I don't know. Yeah, holy moly, there are so many different fonts. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at this right now and going, I kind of agree with you, but also I think it fits. And because this entire game it is does. style, it needs style over function. But also, um, as a person who plays video games, sorry, developers, screw your function uh, and screw your style. I need the function sometimes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because... Yeah, I, I at the at the very least in like the character dialogue, I'd want just like a, a neutral font, just something simple. Yes. Yeah, I mean, because the rest you can make out. Like if it's in inventory, I mean, you know that's the inventory, yeah. right? But I mean, the, the, the story. The classic example that I always go back to with this is Fallout Tactics, which it's a tactics game like any other tactics game. But the way you end your turn in Fallout Tactics is you have to click on this like red button covered with a plastic thing it flips it up and then you have to click and hold this red switch which then goes thunk and then it moves on to the next turn mm-hmm. um which is a completely uh non-functional piece of ui that's not clear that that's how you end your turn it doesn't even say end turn on it 
Um, but oh. you figure it out eventually and it feels real cool when you do, but like, this just seems a little messy. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, Absolutely. like have the style in it, that's fine, but give options, 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 just give us options. Like, yes, like Loop Hero did. Cause Loop Hero had this really the cool font, right? Yeah. It had this, it had this yeah. cool looking font, but you know, after playing with that font for like 20 minutes, you kind of went like, uh, and then you could just flick a switch and you'd have like super legible dyslexic friendly font and it was great exactly odd realm completely removed its custom font oh did they because people hated it so much yeah well it that, was very hard to read it was very 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 first version had a worse font than i think the one that you remember but they just swapped it again to like like as he when he swapped out all of the ui for this most recent update he also put gave the game a new font again mm. which is more readable okay so i need to look at that but it sounds good because i also had trouble reading that font yeah like it, it's fine if you only play for like a little tiny bit but like if you play games like we do where we'd like to play games straight and talk about them and look at them for eight hours your eyes get tired they really really do <laughs> They do, yes. I feel oh, like yeah. a lot of this can sometimes be like a streamer problem, though, and it's kind of difficult to like yeah. separate the two. But... but then there are also people but... who just spend an entire weekend gaming and yeah. they have the same issue, right? Maybe? I would assume. But yeah, I think they already have the font in the screenshots. And yes, that is so much more legible. That sounds good. Yeah. Talking about tired eyes... What's what's the deal with Citizen Sleeper Blind? Oh, that's a good one. Nice, nice, nice segue. I like it. <laughs> that was a good, um, good so, transition. Thank you. So I'm going to try really hard not to curse in this because I really like this game from what I've played, and I curse when I like things. Um, so <laughs> Citizen Sleeper <laughs> is um, the second game from developer over or Jump Over the Age, uh, I think is the full, full, full name. I'm going to double check that, but... Um, their previous yeah jump over the age their previous game was a game called uh in other waters which is a game that i played through half of on stream and the second half off stream um which was a narrative adventure game kind of thing where you it's it was basically just like really fancy connect the dots where you're this underground submersible piloted by a person on an alien planet discovering and cataloging species and also trying to find out what happened to the two scientists that came there before you um and I recently bought the soundtrack on record, so that's how much I like that game. Um, very, very good writing, very hard to stream. This is another one of those. Um, it is a kind of similar to Norco, which I talked about at length, um, mm -hmm. except science fiction. It's a, it's a text-based narrative adventure um, that is trying to deconstruct capitalism at its absolute worst possible point. Um, the whole conceit of the lore for the world is you are a sleeper, being you are a person who has sold their consciousness on lease to a corporation who has now put you into a robotic body, um, at which point you go to sleep and you wake up in this robotic body and you go about your workday. At the end of your workday, you go to sleep and you wake up in your actual body but you are on lease to them and they can cancel that lease and trap you in their body if they want to. And also that you have planned obsolescence. So your body's going to die if you don't pay them and a, a portion of your salary naturally. And also you're going to run out of money and uh, they'll just shut you down if you, if you break and you won't remember it. 
because you'll just fall asleep. Um, so you, wow. you're playing an escaped sleeper, so a person in a robotic form um, that has escaped somehow and has woken up on a different shipment station. And your whole goal is to survive and figure out how to get back into your body, maybe, or just get by. Um, and so you're trapped in a new place. You have no income. You need the provided pharmaceuticals from the corporation to keep your robotic body alive and to keep your consciousness stable. And you have no way to talk to anybody because you're technically a fugitive. Um, so you have to work. And the way you work is you are given dice. Every day you wake up, you, there's a bunch of dialogue, a bunch, really well-written dialogue. Um, you wake up, you're given a set of dice based on the amount of energy you have. You also have um, a like hunger meter um, and you can go around on the station and either do work tasks to earn money, uh, do um, like investigative slash talking to people tasks to maybe get food uh, to fill up your hunger meter. And uh, it, you when you run out of dice, which you, you, you spend a dice on e piece, one die on each task every day, you have to go to sleep and then you lose some hunger, but you regen, you regain your dice. Um, the game's system kind of works in a, regardless of whether or not an event fails or passes, clocks move forward, time in the game moves forward, and you'll get whatever ending you get when you get to the end. So a negative outcome isn't necessarily a loss, it's just a clock moves forward that you might not want moving forward. Um, I could see some people getting super save happy on it, and that's fine. You do have three save slots, so you could do a hard save somewhere and see how things go. Um, but it, it, I've played the first two hours of it. It's on Game Pass. It's also on Steam. Um, I recorded 40 minutes of footage for the YouTube channel today, so I played the first 40 minutes twice. Um, it is extremely interesting, and I will report back when I finish it. Supposedly, it's about seven hours long. So Sounds good. How's that I, I really like the story. The setting sounds really cool, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. I, I also put this on my wish list like a while ago to play, but I haven't gotten... I have so many other games that I'm currently working through, like off stream, because <laughs> they're not stream games. I just... I need to wait. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stream it. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to turn it on at the time of day where the right number of people are awake and lurking that aren't going to leave, but maybe aren't talking that much, and I'm just going to read for like three hours a day and power through it. Sounds good. Yeah, if, if it's only seven hours, right? Yeah, I'll finish it in a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but looking Talkin forward to powering through that. Yeah. Talking about jobs, <laughs> I yes. played. Very good. Yeah, the more, more very good transitions. Um, <laughs> yesterday, uh, I spent all day on stream uh, baking in Bakery Simulator. <laughs> you, you didn't bring us anything. No, I, sorry. I could have gone for a nice breakfast. Yeah, it's only all just digital. So unless you want to eat Aww. some NFT, <laughs> I mean, Coca Cola's got a thing for you if you really want to do that story. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No, no, they, no they let's talk about a, baking. They have a metaverse-inspired flavor for their new Coke that you can only buy online. <laughs> anyway, go on. Uh, pass. Um, yeah, then okay. no, let's talk about cookies. <laughs> yes, please, cookies. Okay, Ooh. so Bakery Simulator is one of those assets using simulators that seem to be coming out of a certain amount of publishers lately you know like that make me really upset yeah I, i'm upset don't know some of their practices yes the games themselves not but yeah i, I get what you mean but anyways it's like so it's like a similar job simulator 
in the vein of like gas station simulator and you know the like like one of the ones that is actually janky yes not top looking you know graphics yes but the gameplay loop feels quite fun and you know it, it's just it's just a really cool game to like play for like a stream and just progress through the different tiers and whatnot and basically what you do is you run a bakery or rather you you bake you don't run a bakery themselves because you don't sell you don't have a shop front you make products for shops that then sell the food so um, so you're just the baker you, in the bakery yeah you're just the baker in the bakery but mm -hmm. then you also have to deliver it and that's like the part of the game that's like oh. really meh because it's like when you drive around it looks like gta 3 graphics and you just kind of have to like drive a car that's like really bad to drive to deliver your stuff but they're already aware of that and you can get a courier later on but they're going to make it so that you can get the courier right from the start so you don't have to do the driving thing so you can just do the baking thing which is the fun thing that sounds good yeah and basically like like it's yeah what you do is just a it's just a simulator you grab your giant bowl you go to the to, to the racks of like ingredients you have to math out because you get like it calculates automatically how much you need so it says like okay you're making like I don't know 90 90 donuts so you need like X amount of water um, so it, it does that but for the dry ingredients at least at the start uh, for like yeast and whatnot you have to math it yourself so it says like you need 23 grams of yeast and you get like different scoop sizes so you have to be like okay I'm gonna get a 20 gram scoop of yeast and then three single grams scoops of yeast and you chuck it into a bowl you mix it um and then you you know you have to like form it yesterday i spent um 20 minutes forming 77 croissants in the game like without the in-game machine and that that involved you like moving your mouse hand back and forth for like 20 minutes oh, no <laughs> it was, so, <laughs> it was something questions. else yeah question number one yes are you using actual recipes? You could probably actually bake with those recipes provided, yes. Okay. Second question I have. Can you burn the building down? No, you can't burn the building down. You can burn your food. So I, I can't. What you're telling me is I can't grab a plate and throw it through the window. No, you can throw things Terrible around. Stick <laughs> cooking simulator. It's not, it's not a good simulator. No, it's, I, no, it's I, not. I want to break stuff in games like this. No, it's, it's not. So the thing is, it's not. Because uh, cooking simulator is like physics based, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit more. This game is not physics based. It's it's more like like a mini game based, like gas station sim -ass. Disappointing. Uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was fun to play for a day. It's not. It's also not super expensive. Um, I didn't have any, any, um, like hard crashes or anything like that, which is always good. Obviously there's a bit of jank. Um, I had, I had a bit of dough stuck and I had one, um, cart <laughs> just completely dis sorry. disappear. No, it's fine. It was stuck it up on the wall. It sounds so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a cart disappear, but besides that, it was fun. It was fun for, for a day. We had, we had good, good laughs and we were just... Uh, my chat like just made me like make croissants for twenty minutes. So yeah, that was bakery simulator. <laughs> it is pretty funny, or and pr pretty funny looking, and it is also pretty cheap. So there's that. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 one of those because as I said, like it's one of those where they take a lot of the assets, like they don't make the art themselves, and they just throw the assets together and then create a fun gameplay loop. You know, it's it's like in the same vein of Gas Station Simulator and all that. So I keep bringing that up because I, I started playing that off stream again because they fixed the achievements finally. Um, 
but uh yeah it's it's one of those um it's you know it's it's fun to play for like like a playthrough and i've i've played 8 hours now and i'm not completely through with the game yet so it's you know it's it's you get enough content for the money that you put in i'd say I'm always so sad I can't play those simulator games. Yeah. Because I think I would love them so much. But they're all first person. Yeah. Oh, and this one is a curse. Yeah, they're definitely. Well, mm. no. This one. Me not. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no you go. You. <laughs> no, no, you. This one, this one. Had, I'm the host. I say you go. This, this one, this one had the problem that at the start, like you load it in and it, it doesn't have a motion blur slider. So, oh. but because uh, it's a, a Unity engine game, you can just go to the INI file and just make a motion blur button, basically, <laughs> and just turn it off. Sorry, oh, that good. worked. Hacks. <laughs> Hacksawing, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Steam Discussion Forums. They should but, give yeah. you an achievement for doing that. Yeah, that would <laughs> right. be hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That would be, that would be, I agree. Yes. That would be funny. That's like my favorite so I wanted to say, video game. I, I wanted to say that there are simulators for VR. And that will work, but only if I just stand there. So if it's just bakery simulator oh. and I stand in front of the oven and ingredients shelf and just have to turn around, but don't really oh, walk. Oh, you know what you should play? That'd be perfect. Drop simulator. Is that such a game where i just stand there yes job simulator is kind of like <gasps> a, it's like a slapstick comedy game you don't really move out of a cubicle it's yeah, like you're in this, yeah, it, it's in the, the cubicle. looking you're in a right cubicle now. and there's one big button in front of you and it says push the button so you push the button it's that game <laughs> well no <gasps> pushing but, buttons is fun th there's also one where you are like um oh god which one is it called i, I think it's also job simulator where you're in like uh, in this convenience store but all the uh customers are just robots is that maybe job simulator? Is that like job simulator two yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. So apparently there are different jobs in the job simulator. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it looks bad. I'm gonna say. Well, but it's VR, so the the screenshots are gonna look yeah. a bit odd. It doesn't look that bad. Like it's it's like because it's 3D and it yeah it looks. I'm gonna put that on my wish list and get it when it's on sale. So it would be. It gets I pretty it cheap would... when it's on sale. Yeah, and I think and it would be I'll hilarious to watch you play this. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can stream it with, with VR because VR is on on Mystery's PC. I'm not I'm not sure, but I definitely want to try and just play and see if I can play it. I think you I think you can because you don't move around at all. Like unless like oh that's so perfect, thank you. So you don't walk around in the game. You can turn around. Yeah, and you know, but it's like you're stationary. So exactly, yeah. and that's the important thing yeah, for me because exactly. then I can play VR. But yeah. if I have to move in the game and I don't move my body, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I have the I have the same issue exactly. Mm. So I can't, <laughs> oh, that's exciting. I can't play VR at all. It makes me go cross-eyed and I lose my vision. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's not Things good. Things close to my face make my eyes just go like, and then I just can't anything. Oof. Yeah. That does sound uh, quite rough. So now that we're randomly diverted, how about Terra Randoma? <laughs> have either of you heard of this? No, I no. haven't. Okay, so Terra Randoma is um. A roguelike of the traditional variety that I would talk about. Um, it's on Steam. It's about 15 bucks, I think. Uh, it's hard to tell because Canadian money is weird. Um, mm. But runs in Unity, and it's got this kind of... Um, I don't want to say horrendously ugly because that's just mean. It's got this very eclectic style to it. It's a 
it, it, do you know Playable Meal? Playable Meal, yes. Yeah, like the toy. Yeah. Yeah. It looks kind of oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do, I do. But like not. It kind kind of looks like that. Everything just kind of looks like a plastic mat and like everything is like, I am a person that stands like this or I am a person that stands like this. or So everything is like tiny little mini figures and they kind of have like little stands and stuff. And it's got this cute look to it. Um, it's it's an open world. It's, it's a relatively small open world, but it's an open world and the world is generated for you. And it gives you the option to either uh, have play a proper roguelike mode or have saving on, so that's good. Uh, there's a save wherever you want mode or like a just re go back to the last town mode if you die. Um, but I don't think that that's super necessary for reasons that I'm going to get into. Um, it doesn't know what it wants to be. The structure of the game is pretty... It's a pretty simple like uh, JRPG kind of structure. Um, you have been told by a prophet that the world's going to get demolished and this happens every 10,000 years and all of the kings of every town knows that the world's going to end but they don't want to work together so you as the hero you have to unite the towns and get the sacred tomes so that you can open the big dungeon so that you can go into the big dungeon and kill the bad guy um, and in the way you make friends with all the towns you do jobs for them so you clear out their rats and go kill local bandits and uh, uh, go into dungeons and do that sort of thing um the game has kind of a neat idea where you can actually like fast track stuff really quickly. If you um, are even remotely decent at this style of game, you can kind of just power through the first few dungeons and go to this place called the Warriors Guild where you can just buy skills. You can also just buy level ups with their in-game currency, which is interesting. Um, like not in a free to play kind of way, but you can just like, you can buy level up points um, instead of spending them on food and other things you need for survival and gear and stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, it, it's got some neat ideas. Um, but I think it kind of falls apart for me when I start like getting into the loop of it. Um, it's very easy and I put it on normal and I played on the permadeath mode and I very rarely felt threatened and kind of died because I got more frustrated with the hunger clock than actually playing the game. Um, <laughs> because of the way that in order to get food in the overworld, if you don't have food, you have to scavenge and then do a combat encounter and then steal the food from the combat encounter as well as off of the bodies of the things that you killed. And it's supposed to be kind of a hunting minigame, but it just ends up being really frustrating and not particularly fun. The problem that I really have with the game, though, is the actual level generation. So when you get into a dungeon, um, it has a square for you, and as you move through the dungeon, different rooms appear. But the final room is always the last room that you explore which is very, very sad to me. I like, because um, in, in Rogue or any kind of traditional roguelike, usually you can kind of like happenstance your way into uh, the end of the dungeon or if the level just happened to generate that way. And usually it's crafted so that that'll happen sometimes. And that's fun and exciting that you, oh, well, that's the boss right away. Jeez, okay, we got to stab you in the face now. Um, but the way this game works is it. the dungeons don't feel generated. They just feel linear because you walk into the next room there's going to be a blank room after that. There's going to be an encounter after that, regardless of which direction you go. And then when you finish, the final boss might be like right next with the exit right next to where you started because that was just the one blank room on the tile left that you didn't explore yet. And so that really is kind of a letdown. Um, it has some neat ideas. It's too easy. Uh, and I don't think it really knows what audience it's aiming for. The art is aiming for like a younger audience from what I can tell. The gameplay is very casual it has depth the combat's neat but mm, yeah i don't know 
that's my take on it. I, I also had the dev in my chat most of the time uh, for, for a good chunk of my playthrough. So I was just like, like fast spitting feedback, feedback at them. So hopefully like they're, they're <laughs> I mean, able that's to work pretty good. It. It is it yeah. is an early access. Um, the dev is one of my. I was about to ask. Yeah, the the dev is yeah. one of my subscribers, so I can just do that. All right. Not sure if it was gifted or not, but they have a badge, so. <laughs> but that's good then. I mean, it's early access. You provide feedback. Hopefully, other people will too. Yeah, and then it can still develop. That's Terra Randoma. It's a very small team of two, a couple. So. Nice. Awesome. That the roguelike master has spoken. <laughs> Don't give me too much credit. I mean, you play I might have to mostly get Darren Gray in here one of these days. And every every roguelike. There's people out there that have been playing and talking about roguelikes since before I was born. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Still, still, from the team, the roguelikes are definitely your thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. I want to quickly mention that I played King Arthur again, Knight's Tale, and uh, the same thing that Adi talked about happened to me. Oh no! So last week, yes, yes. Oh. Last week, Adi mentioned something. So, so I played again um, on my sorry, blind roguelite mode because that's what the game calls it. But it's basically Iron Man, um, and I went just on a mission. Uh, people got hurt. And um, the game autosaves. So, so Iron Man means I can't reload, right? The game autosaves. And it autosaves at a point where I only had two people left out of four. No, actually five, because there was a like a random guard that joined me to help out as well. Um, and I couldn't win. And then it was game over. Yeah. So that save file is lost now. <laughs> and it's so anticlimactic too. Like you just you just die. You don't get an animation or anything or like a cinematic because the, the interest cinematic is, is amazing. And you're like, you know, the Lady of a Lake has, I don't know, tasked you with killing King Arthur. You are some Mordred. And I don't know, I would have expected something like, oh, you failed the task. You died. I don't know, something. But it's just menu pops up. Do you want to reload or do you want to quit? Yep. It's cool. I guess, but I don't know. That that was very disappointing, and I was like, "Oh, mad." <laughs> yeah, it's it doesn't exactly feel exactly the same as BattleTech. <sighs> it doesn't feel like a satisfying end to an Iron Might, Iron Man Might yeah. game. I don't know, like like X exactly. X, I, I don't I don't play XCOM to myself or anything like that. But like, what watching people there try Iron Man Might feels a lot more satisfying than in King Arthur. And I don't know, like, I, I think I'll, I want to play that game again and I want to play it through, but I'm definitely not going to go Iron Man mode again. Same. Is, is Absolutely King same. King Arthur a better as a strategy RPG or better as a tactics game? Strategy RPG, 100%. Because, so, like, a strategy yeah. RPG is the game where you just go on the long tail and then it ends. A tactics game mm -hmm. is more like XCOM, where like, yeah, there's the tail, but you skip the cutscenes so that you can play the tactics. It more is like the a, RPG. Okay, so hmm. yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of character interaction, and because you have like the morality choices as well that kind of shape how you govern the new Camelot and whether or not like certain characters like you or not. So it it doesn't it just 
it just doesn't feel good to play on Iron Man mode, in my opinion. Like, it, I don't know. It's just... I, yeah, there's no point to it. No. To, except to make it even harder. Yeah, yeah but then... Yeah, because the nah. thing is, what you have with that game as well, and that I think that that makes Iron Man mode so much less fun. You can't open your character's inventory when you're on the battlefield, like not even if you're in combat. during the whole mission. During the whole mission, can't. yeah. So it's not just locked to combat. You cannot anything that you pick up, or even like shuffling a potion from one person to another. You can't do that in that game and that already adds so or it makes it difficult yeah yeah so so w when you say that it lets you reload where does it let you reload to to an auto save to an auto save and Around is that just the turn before you die it was not the turn before i die it was the start of the combat but by mm. then i already ruined the mission so much i only had two people left and with two people i couldn't find i don't know so it doesn't restart you at the others. beginning of the mission it restarts at the beginning of that one combat event yes because yeah. i think it Correct. auto saves after the la after after finishing combat i think so Something you basically like have to reload as soon as you make that one mistake in a fight i suppose yeah. So, it would be nice to give you the option to so, restart the mission. So I think it also actually real. I, I think it also auto saves on a death of a character. Th this so, sounds kind of like great. Fire Emblem to a degree, but with Fire Emblem, even if you're playing and killing characters, because you can absolutely kill characters, you'll always have so many characters. Like I don't think like I've played. Mm. Uh, a, a, I think like four Fire Emblem games now to completion on Lunatic, which is their like stupid mode where you die in two hits um and the number of times that i've like hard locked shut down my 3ds and restarted it to try a different move in a mission is like <laughs> uncountable it's like to the point where it's like all right you go here you go here you go this over to th just to keep a character alive um but like it always starts at the beginning of the whole story mission no. So yeah. this one even, doesn't, if, even doesn't if you do are that. playing on the the ludicrous difficulty, which you don't really need to, um, it still gives you that window to fix yeah. it. No, not it's this not one doesn't. even like Darkest Dungeon because in Darkest Dungeon you're not attached to the characters, or you shouldn't be because they die. Same with X but you can still continue the save file because you have other heroes that can do the job. Yeah, but here you've got so Mordred, your main character. And if he dies, it's game over. Yeah, that sounds also, that's way more like Fire Emblem and not like XCOM at all. Yeah. Different kind of game. Hmm. Yeah, I just... Iron Man mode's not for me in this no, game. Because no, I, I want to play for the story. <laughs> my, my experience with strategy RPGs is you play them first in the normal mode, and if you like the tactics, then you go back and play the hard mode versus something like Battle Brothers where if you're just playing it on the hard mode with, like, dying on you can kind of just bang your head against that for weeks and just die a lot and have fun because that's yeah. what yeah. the game is structured around like yes yeah, that you, makes sense. you can totally save in battle brothers and have a good time with it and enjoy the tactics and have the full grand campaign but you can have just as much fun with that game just smacking yourself against it <laughs> and abusing yourself yeah. same with xcom yeah so yeah absolutely and then king arthur the story is so much more important i think than the, the combat it is yeah. Yeah, I'll play it again in normal mode. Yeah, I so think so. Is I will do that. Anybody too, playing yeah. King Arthur? 
don't play that permadeath mode. Yes. Yeah. That's and, a takeaway. Yeah, unless you want to start over the campaign from the start over and over and over again and go through the same conversations because that's the thing like when, when XCOM when you start over like Gate Crasher XCOM 2 you know the first mission you have like two dialogue like you have like two two sentences being said uh, at the start that's like a 10 second cutscene but in King Arthur you have like I don't know 15 minutes 20 minutes of exposition before you even get to the first like How not tutorial level, fight are, are the levels handcrafted in King Arthur? yes Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, then yeah. then I wouldn't even I would never consider playing that in yeah <laughs> in, a, in permadeath absolutely <laughs> yeah you don't want to yeah yeah because like I with, know... with XCOM like you have an assortment of levels and that some of them have random elements and like yeah yeah unless like every th- all the levels are random eh. nope yeah XCOM XCOM two yeah. you have certain like the main missions those are handcrafted but then you have like the randomized um, like missions that just pop up while you're playing it same with I BattleTech. Mean, I... And Battletech also yeah. has options now where you can like turn off the story missions entirely. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, off, which yeah. is kind of neat. And then you can also put in the flashpoints, which are like the story missions, but they're randomly generated, which are also really cool. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that sounds like a good idea for that. Yeah, but definitely. Seems like a the weird thing. Choice. The thing is, you you supp- I think you can get random heroes in King Arthur as well. To help you out, not just the ones that you go out from the missions, but to get there, you have to, I think, unlock three different buildings and upgrade that third building to like level two yeah. or three before you can get but the you, random ones. But you lack the resources. Yeah, it takes forever to get that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you and the thing is, you can't really like. There's also no way to flee a mission. Like, you can't like. Okay, I go in with four. Two are dead crap, I need to get some mortared out. You can't leave. That's the thing. Like, you yeah. can't even leave. It's not letting you leave. No, it's just it's... it's just very unforgiving, and that makes it absolutely not fun when you just want yeah. to play the story. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. That, that was that. Um, Since we're talking FD... about tactics, do you want to talk about Warhammer tactics? Exactly. Yeah. I, and I want to challenge FG no. uh, for the game with the longest title. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> but I think you're going to win because I already saw it. But I played Warhammer 40k Chaos Gate Demon Hunters. And now I finally know that it's called that because previously I had to look it up all the time because it's so long. Um, it's a tactics game. Another Warhammer 40k game. Um, it is basically like Warhammer meets XCOM. And it's really, really good. I'm surprised I like it that much. I've never played a Warhammer 40k game before, and I had a great time with it. It's got great cinematics. Um, You can interact with the environment, so you can use grenades, and then the the explosion throws enemies through walls. So basically, you can destroy everything. There are certain things you can interact with, like if you shoot this pillar, it topples over. If you melee this i don't know something happens as well it's really good the the ui could use a bit of love in the sense of it's not very easy to use because there's just so much when you prep for a mission and check everybody's loadout leveling them up is just madness because you need to take a long time to actually understand what skills you have and what they can learn and what they do because it's a bit information overload at first but it's so much fun to play 
You're describing it's, it's every single Warhammer game I've ever played. <laughs> yeah, because the lore for See, 40K I don't know that but... is so extensive by now. It's not yeah. even just the lore. It's like the lore, the visual requirements from their like design bibles that they probably give developers, and yeah. then also just the need to over-design everything because everything in 40K is over-designed. This is a franchise with galactic space churches that are the size of planets. Yes. Yeah. Big. Yes. <laughs> Very the big. The game. I was... I see, you see the ship, your your spaceship from the outside, and it looks very impressive, right? It looks big, but then you also see it from the inside, and there's a, like a a library that looks like a cathedral. There is the bridge that looks like a throne room. There's I don't know, everything's just so massive. And and then somebody in chat said that ships in Warhammer Forty K are basically measured in kilometers. <laughs> Makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So. It, I like I like my first steps into this world. It's really cool. The game is very fun, especially with you know grenades and destroying the environment. Um, I like it a lot. So what do I have to do to make you play Battlefleet Gothic? Oh God, <laughs> I, I don't know. What what is this? Uh, red ships go faster. That's all you need to know. <laughs> It's 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 a real it's an RTS uh, Battlefleet Gothic and Battlefleet Gothic Armada. One the first one was once called uh, the most metal game ever made by one Total Biscuit, um, and Battlefleet Gothic is it's 40k but it's just the spaceships and it's like uh, it's mm -hmm. like tall fleet combat so it's like very slow moving they have to like slowly turn around and like angling guns oh, with like fire. No, that sounds cones. boring. But it's it's got like real time pause. No, and you can speed it up. So like you can go real okay. fast if you want because it's got like yeah but if that, it's just spaceship combat then I probably have an issue with moving background and simulation sickness possibly but that's why I usually stay away from space games and sci-fi games need to look at how much Battlefleet Gothic's backgrounds move but anyway <laughs> I don't actually sorry. see any gameplay here I'm just looking at Steam but yeah yeah no it's a it's Warhammer big 40K. ship hit it's ship it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, there's a enough. go faster button on all the ships and you can just ramming speed when your ship's gonna fall apart it's great <laughs> i mean who doesn't want to crash Lovely. a giant church into another giant church it's fantastic but um sorry to oh, i can see that that sounds really fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i think that every single warhammer game i've ever played um overshadow like is overshadowed by just if you are not super into the lore which i'm not it takes a long time to learn it not because they're necessarily difficult games to learn but just because i don't know what a photon laser 9001 uh, crucifix uh, strapped to a church with a monkey wrench on it actually means or does yeah yeah, yeah. why do i want to upgrade I, <laughs> I i have the feeling that this game doesn't require so much knowledge like for me, starting it, yeah, I had some some questions about dialogue because, you know, the, the NPCs were talking about something and just had no idea what it was. But it explains it when you need to know about it. And then also with the upgrades for your ship, there is an exterminator? Exterminator? Some, some, yes, that thing. And I was just reading through everything that I could make or make in the future. And chat went wild and said, I need to get this, but I actually couldn't yet. So, so you could read up on that, but I suppose once you need it, the game will actually tell you what it does. Okay. okay. So, so you don't need background knowledge in the lore, in the universe, to play this one. 
That's good. Yeah. It's just a, it's just good. another way to get people hooked on the minifigs and everything. <laughs> yeah, so so about that. I wasn't sponsored to play the game, but Frontier sent me a launch gift and they sent me this very fancy wooden chest. And when you open it, it's got a booklet in it and tools for making a miniature, a miniature, all the paint that I could possibly need. And I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to do that on stream and just, I don't know, build and paint my first miniature. It's going to look like a clown, but I'm excited for it. The the thing that I'll, I'll say about Frontier as somebody who used to work with them a whole lot, they're really good at bribing. They have really good yeah. marketing they're, gifts. Yeah, they're they just really yeah. good. At, you know, like, you know what you should do. Like what? Mm-hmm. I I know I know you're you're doing it tomorrow, but you know what you sh- what you what you could have done at some point? Just get Jimmy on a call and then like have him coach you. True. <laughs> True. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Oh well. I just thought of it now. So. <laughs> yeah, I know that that's a really brilliant idea. Well. I mean, I can I can talk to him afterwards. I can, I can send him a picture. Yeah, just be oh, my, rate, my, rate my mini fig. <laughs> that was my first try. Yeah. Could you help me with the next one? <laughs> yes, I would. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, FD, your, your game title. Okay, that is yeah. the longest. Uh, I will, I will, I will Let's raise you your Warhammer 40k chaos. Chaos Gate Demon Hunters, and I will play my Doctor Professor Scientist's Weapon Testing Facility card. <laughs> Can I one up you again? I have a longer title, but it's not listed because I don't ever list it. Uh, Dwarf Fortress. What is it? The full title for Dwarf Fortress is Slaves to Armok: Colon God of Blood: Colon Chapter Two. Okay, Dwarf Fortress, and then Histories of Gluttony and Metal. Uh, although the history really? of is two randomly pulled terms that changes every time you launch the game. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, that's really funny. I didn't know that was the full title. It's actually a sequel, technically. <laughs> was that ever a first game? Yeah, you and you can still download it if you go to bay12games.com. Oh, I see. Armok. And it's not very unfinished. They've worked on it for like eight and a half years. It's this weird like 3D thing where you can spindly walk around and teleport your skin elsewhere. It's very strange. Um, I completely okay. uprooted that. FG, carry on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Um, so so um, I was sponsored to play this game, Dr. Professor Scientist Weapon Testing Facility. Uh, so I just pointed <laughs> out there. But basically what it is, it's a wave defense game. And you're a mad scientist. And the only way you defend yourself is like a giant gun that shoots automatically and it swivels. So it's a, two, it's a 2D uh plane like it's just it's just a long corridor basically on one end the enemies come in and on the other end you have the your, your gun and the gun swivels like up and down so it covers the entire screen and then what you do is you kill enemies and you get different weapons like there is like uh, i don't know barrels fire barrels hell shards lasers um energy balls and then you get modifiers like pierce uh, size increase, damage increase, uh, dot damage increase, dot duration increase, and you you um, basically line them up. You have like a I don't know, is it six sixteen maybe little little squares that you can fill with weapons and modifiers, and it always goes through them, um, starting from the left and like time based. Basically, it just goes 
All right, modifier, weapon, pew, and then modifier, modifier, weapon, pew. And it, so it just runs through the sequence automatically. And you can upgrade your, if you have three of the same, you can upgrade your modifiers and your weapons. And the enemies get stronger. And you, while you fight, you research things. So there's meta progression, there's research, unlocking um, higher levels of weapons, stronger levels of weapons. Enemies get stronger and... Uh, Eventually, you just get there's a you have to get through I think twenty five waves um, of enemies and then you kind of win the game and it's just like a really neat little time waster. I know uh, Drongo also played it yesterday and you kind of ended up playing the entire stream. <laughs> like it's a really simple <laughs> combat, but uh, like combat not concept, but you can actually make some really crazy weapons and. Um, because, you know, through leveling up and modifying things and all that sort of stuff. It was a pretty, it was really fun. Like, I also ended up playing a lot longer than I was supposed to. It's, uh, it's really fun. And it's like £3.60. It's like really cheap. Um, the art is kind of so-so. But it's not about the art. It's about making crazy weapons. and Because you, you can shoot like cabbages as well. And you can make like exploding cabbages <laughs> that leave a fire trail and a poison cloud and... I don't know. It was it was wacky. That sounds so funny. Did I play this game on Newgrounds in two thousand eight? <laughs> it it almost sounds like something like that, doesn't it? Yeah. When but... you said that price point, I was like, okay, this this sounds like something that's inspired by the Flash era. <laughs> probably, probably. Honestly, it, it almost sounds yeah, almost. But yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I know a whole bunch of people in my community already picked it up and spent like hours playing it. And I don't know. It is fun. Almost it's, an it's, idle it's... game. Um. No, the rounds are too short for that. Okay. Because the rounds, the rounds don't last very long. They last like, if you, I, I ended rounds in a couple of seconds when I had a really good weapon against. Uh, oh wow. Stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really, but you, yeah, you need you because because the thing is when you kill enemies, they drop upgrade uh, upgrades or modifiers and weapons as well, and then you have to make sure that you stash the ones that you want to upgrade eventually because. Um, the drops will get deleted, but then you have also two upgrade slots where you can also stash some stuff, but then they're locked in there and you can the only way to remove them is to destroy them. Like there is some there is some tactics involved in there and it's um yeah, for for like three pounds sixty, uh it's 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 good fun. Like I I know some people who've played this like for like six, seven, eight hours, so yeah, definitely. If if you just want just like a neat, tiny little game to play on the side, that's definitely it. Sounds good. Sounds really fun for like a I don't know casual game. Yeah, pick it up, play for a bit. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you you play through it a whole bunch of times because you need to like progress through the through the meta unlocks, of course. And the re like you do research. The more enemies you kill, the more um, the research you progress the research. And then eventually, once you have got all the research done, and then you get the good weapons, and then you can combine it. And uh, yeah. So you get more OP the longer you play and the more you've unlocked. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then you can you can also select between different modifiers. Like you can have like, because you can have like two ways you focus your science on. You have major and minor focuses and you can do like, I don't know, uh, hell that gives you like health shards and other modifiers. And um, there's like, I don't know, lasers and that sort of stuff. So you can kind of pick your, your own preferred weapons. You could also make runs harder or easier if you want to. You can unlock like modifiers for the run. For example, the first modifier that you can do is you just make certain enemies bigger. They don't have more health or, or that anything like that. They 
just are bigger so they're easier to hit and that sort of stuff and then the next one is you get a positive modifier and a negative modifier you can make it really hard if you want to it's just yeah it's actually really clever in a way um so in fun to play so once again, for the people with short-term memory like myself, that is Dr. Professor Scientist's Weapon Testing Facility. Yeah, or DPS <laughs> WTF. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's great. Which came first? Probably the abbreviation, I think. Okay, got it. But I'm not sure. That, that would make sense, actually, yeah, yeah. So that they just figured out what they could name it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, probably. That was probably deep, uh, deep DPS WTF like working title for a while. Yeah, yeah, okay. I would assume so. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just enjoyed. It. I think it's also like a one-person game. Like it looks like a one-person game, but it's really fun. Seems like I it. Did, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. For for people who like wave defense or tower defense type stuff, definitely take a look at so, that. So, what is Trinity S? So Trinity S is another game that I did a sponsored stream for because I did like a segment yeah, on Thursday where I did both of those. Trinity S, so that was also sponsored, just to put that out there, is an early access game. Um, so it's not finished. There's only three classes and only a certain amount of maps. And basically Trinity S is a top-down game. Um, and basically what it does is it removes everything from MMOs except... The boss fights you do in like raids and dungeons and it's just a boss oh. rush like it's a co-op boss rush game with like um mmo mechanics so you have a tank you have a healer and you have a dps and you have to work together to beat the bosses and they have they do like you know like telegraphed attacks and you have to like move out of the way and move around and um it's a really cool idea like if you just enjoy like the boss fights and like in a co-op way you can also play with bots but it's i think cooler like if you play with with people um you have to like move around and then like fight them and um the the interesting thing is you have so you have your top-down characters and um they have a normal ground attack or a normal normal attack they have four abilities that they can do um but the only way to regen mana is by standing still. So you have to stand still to regen mana. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is difficult <laughs> if you also have to dodge things. And um, standing still also levels up, uh, makes your passive, passive happen. So for example, the tank, the longer the tank stands still up to level five, he gets hardened, which is like an extra shield basically. So they take less damage, but sometimes you have to move because the boss is doing their big AOE attack. And so it's, it's it's actually a really clever thing. It is um, definitely unfinished though. There's only five or six bosses at the moment. Um, definitely needs some balancing, especially if you don't play in a full group of people. I played at first. I played by myself with two bots. Beat the first boss first try. Um, then I tried the second boss a couple of times. The the bot AI is not the smartest. Like sometimes the healer will just stand in the boss whacking the boss instead of healing you <laughs> oh no <laughs> sorry um it's a bit weird and then i tried it playing with uh, one of the community well, one of my community members and an ai uh but if you have human people like if you have humans playing it the the bosses get more difficult because you know mm. supposedly you know humans talk together and they're smarter and they can like work together but with two humans and and a um 
but it was kind of impossible. So it needs some tweaking. It's not done yet. It's also not super expensive. I think it was like 11 pounds. Yeah, 15 bucks, something like that. It's usually um, what seventeen forty nine in Canada dollars is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but how many people can play together? Is three. it only three? It's only three. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, it's only three. But yeah, it's a, it's a. I, I, I enjoyed for what, what I played for it for now, and it's top down, so it is Kiri friendly. It does have a. I like the idea of it. Yeah, it has a screen shake button that you turn off. Hmm. I, I feel the camera is a tiny bit smooth, but it's not like the maps aren't really big enough for that to matter. What do you okay, do yeah. when you're not fighting the bosses? Nothing. Like it's just, you just go like literally a playthrough is boss fight, boss fight, boss fight, boss fight, boss fight. And you have to see if you make it to the end or not. Cause like looking at it in the screenshots, it kind of looks like it could almost be like MMO styled or like top down monster hunter, which is really compelling and neat. But if there's nothing in between, there was or nothing. Anything? No, no, it's just just about fighting the bosses. All right, a, but you also said it's early access, right? <laughs> yeah, so there, it is early there access. could still be something in the works. Yeah, well, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I would, I would want something in between. Like, I would need like a mm. home base to run around mm -hmm. in with my friends to kind of take a breather because just boss fight, boss fight, boss fight, boss fight, boss fight's a lot, right? It is. It is. Yes, it is. Um, How long are the boss fights? Um, the uh, like. I think around 13, 15 minutes per boss. So not short. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like that's, no, it's not that's short. a pretty yeah. similar amount to like, or a comparable amount to Monster Hunter. Like Monster Hunter is like 35 yeah. minutes or something. Like you, you have a timer in Monster Hunter to actually kill yeah. the monster. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I mean, like this could be really cool. It's a neat idea. It is definitely, it's, it's definitely it is, a, yeah. uh, a neat idea. Um, it's it's something that I've not seen quite like this to just take that one aspect and like kind of mm -hmm. run with it. Um, it is definitely not finished yet though. Like it needs some balancing. Like it, it plays fine, like no crashes or bugs or anything like that. It's just the balancing in the bot AI, which is arguably the hardest thing is not like quite the best, but there is online matchmaking. So if you, and there's, there's like, I don't think there's voice comms in game, but you can like, Com like there's a there's a communication wheel I think where if you don't have friends to play with you can play with randoms online or with bots but so there is matchmaking so yeah 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 there's online matchmaking so you can find okay. a group it's it's probably still best to play with friends though when you're on a voice call so it's just because it's just easier to you know it's it's like an MMO boss fight it's like you it's better if you can just talk to each other <laughs> this has been really exciting because I love MMO boss fights I yeah I love like just MMOs. how <laughs> I mean, I like those too, but time sinks. So if you just mm, yeah, get exactly. the, you know, the good part without the grind, yeah, and then exactly. you coordinate and ah, oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, no, it was. I, I want this to to you know get better. Yeah, because like yes. the main thing I'd want from that is like a very much like a monster hunter hub that I could go to and craft mm -hmm. and get buffs and stuff. But if there's none of that there and it's just the boss fights, I'm out until something like that was put mm. in but i don't even know if that's in their scope so you you do you do get new abilities between the fights but when you start at level one again you kind of like you get reset back to your base character like you because you, mm -hmm. otherwise you'd sm smack the first boss over again but maybe they could just do instead of like maybe maybe they make what would, what would be cool is meow yes um a pro give me give me one where it starts at zero every time and i just progress through the boss fights with my mates 
and then maybe give me like a new game plus where I get stronger, but the monsters get stronger as well. And you can just keep your level progression, but the monsters, like the other boss fights get harder, more complex. They do new abilities and you progress through them over and over and over again. And you have like a steady level progression. That could be cool too, I think. But what if I mm -hmm. cut the monster up into tiny pieces and made it into a hat? <laughs> be fun. Just, yeah. I, I just want to talk yeah. about Monster Hunter. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what you do in Monster Hunter, right? You cut the specific parts off the monster to make it into a hat or food to go kill a different yeah. monster. I know, I know. But, you know. It's definitely <laughs> one to keep an eye on. Uh, Great idea. Yeah. Trinity S. Cool idea. Yep. Well, one Pretty word. Cool. Yeah, by a Japanese developer. So uh, there is a little bit of anime in there, and all your characters will uh, also speak Japanese. And they go like, Fireboru! And, you know, all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. Cool. There's another new game that came out. It's called Tile Cities. I haven't played it yet, but you two did, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you, do you want to start? Because I think uh, you've played a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so Tile Cities is a puzzle city builder in the, kind of, I, I don't want to necessarily say vain, but like kind of falling into the same mold as something like a mini Metro or a Dorf Romantic, um, except it's, I'll be a little bit rough around the edges, but for obvious reasons. Um, it is the side project of a game called Ostriv, which is a, a very ambitious, but also very unfinished uh, early access city builder that has been around for a couple of years now. Uh, the developer is, in, is currently displaced in Ukraine um, and is throwing donations and money, helping as much as they can to keep their country and friends safe. And this was a game that they worked on while in transit on their laptop. Um, so it's very simple visually and aesthetically um but the, the point of the game is you match different colors together to fi to fix the uh demand bar down at the bottom every place piece that you place has one of every demands with the exception of the color that is on the piece if you connect two pieces together if it's a blank piece connecting to one with colors those demands go down while all the other demands go up and you have to balance demands accordingly then there's also trains which then multiply the amount of demands that are recovered if they're attached to a station and you attach that piece to uh, a train line and you're scored accordingly and that's the game uh when you lose air quotes when uh you run out of pieces to place or, and uh the bars fill up um you're given a score and you can continue on in creative mode if you just want to place pieces and make the city the shape you want or you can restart and play again Yep, it's, it's um, sounds a bit complicated. It's not like it's 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 just I, I want to almost say like it's deceptively simple in a way because you can definitely. Okay. Um, so the thing is that the way you get scored is you get scored per tile placed. You get a point unless you have a perfect fit, which is basically you leave a gap, and then you put a tile perfectly into that gap in the city, mm -hmm. uh, and that gives you ten points. And um, try so basically, what you have to do is you have to try to create those gaps to get the highest score, while also still satisfying the demand of the city around it. And it's um, it's really chill. There's no rush because there's no timer or anything like that, so you can take your time. Like I played one run on on stream that took me to like I think not even three hundred points, and that lasted like an hour. Um, very, very much like Dwarf Romantic in a way. 
Um, There's no j- peace limit, though. So yeah, exactly. Not, you exactly. don't have like a counting down number constantly. It's just yeah, exactly. As long as yeah. you fulfill those demands down you, in the bottom you left, you're good. Yeah. But usually, fulfilling demands doesn't give you points. You have to get the perfect fits to actually get the points quickly. Okay. Yeah, to get the ten points exactly. Yeah. So it's it's and like kind of a balance of trying to create the gaps, but also making sure that you can keep the demands low, because otherwise you'll you'll lose. Interesting. It's and really it's really good. Is, yeah. It is it is very minimal, right? Like there's no sound yeah. effects. It's literally just like you play space and goes blunk. Bam. Yeah. Beep. Bomb. When as you place different pieces, that's all mm-hmm. the only sounds it has. Um I think if I were to complain or ask for a feature for this game, I'd want a colorblind option. Um or just the option just to mm. change the colors to whatever you want in like a color wheel or something. Um because I know yeah. I had some people saying, I can't see the color. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So there, yeah, that's there is a problem. That. That's the main mainly the only real criticism yeah. I have about the game. That and maybe just some ambient car sounds or something. I love an undo button because I have accidentally placed a couple of tiles while scrolling around. It's like not super necessary because it's not as punishing as it can be in other games. Yeah, but it, it's not quite like Dorf Romantic where if you place one piece in the wrong spot, you lose. You you mess up a lot of stuff. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's not quite that bad. Let's not talk about that. But um, it would be it, it's just something that I would be need to have just in case like you accidentally because sometimes I don't know my, my 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 sometimes my index finger just twitches and I play I, I just click and then it places the tile and you're like I know the feeling no! yeah I have to do that in narrative <laughs> games move the mouse off the window so I don't click the next button while I'm reading the dialogue yes <laughs> yeah yeah um but uh, yeah and and what yeah, also, good. yeah what also is important to mention this game's like two pounds yes three dollars in canada which means yeah. it costs basically nothing and exactly. uh it's really cheap helps. and i bought it because i know eventually i'm gonna play it but i i did want to support the developers that too yeah exactly and i've already played i, I did another run yesterday off stream uh where i hit 500 points um so i've already played over two hours and for i mean for two pounds like I, I mean, to be fair, I also said I, I would have already, I would also buy this game. I would have bought this game even if I like hated the concept of it just to like help out and support because, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I bought the DRM free beta and made a video about it and then bought the game when it came out on Steam a second time. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of exactly. the same thing. But it's. If I'll, I'll just I, I say this about this game. If if you like the concept of minimalist city builders, um, this is a good one of those. Yeah, definitely. Maybe a little simple and rough around the edges, but it it is a good one of those. It's a good rule set and a fun concept. And that was Tile Cities. Good. We we've talked about games a lot now. We're gonna head into a short break, and then we're gonna come back and talk about the news. Hi, this is the House and Frequency podcast and I am Belanar. You couldn't hear me in this episode, but stick around for the future episodes for some soothing rolling Rs. Meanwhile, hop over to twitch.tv slash Belanar for some building management and strategy games, plus all kinds of variety. Come say hi, and let's go on with the show. And we're back with the House and Frequency podcast, episode 17. And now we're going to talk about news. Blind is going to start us off with um, an acquisition, or at least companies are talking about an acquisition. So, um, do you do you guys know Embracer Group? Yes. 
Actually, I don't. Okay, perfect. But I read one the of, article. I was going to say, one of you pretend to not know who Embracer Group is for a second so that I can just... <laughs> yeah, so, so I don't know. Please, please explain. Excellent. So uh, em Embracer Thank Group you. is this uh, scary Swedish shadow organization that's taking over the entire world. Um, they're like the uh, northern, like like that that part of the world portion of a version of Tencent. Um, they're just a company that has a lot of money and buys a lot of things. Um, their, their biggest thing that kind of propelled them into the games industry specifically was they bought Nordic, um, and then they bought THQ and then they, when THQ folded and all of their IP went up, they, they're the ones who scooped up most of that. Um, so I, I could pull out, I, if I prepped a little bit more, I could have popped up a thing of all of their assets. Um, but to long story short, they own almost every single double A game slash publisher that you could think of as well as some triple A stuff. Um, and uh, Idos or uh, Embracer here has um, uh, gone into an agreement to acquire Idos Montreal, Crystal Dynamics, Square Enix Montreal, and a bunch of other assets. This puts them in ownership of uh, Tomb Raider um, and yes, Thieves. Long, everything loads of well-known like, things like, yeah. legacy of kane uh De deus ex like i said um thief uh basically every everything that made pc gaming pc gaming right um they also own like valheim by the way um and coffee stain the people who make uh well um what's the name of it? they they like just put something out satisfactory, satisfactory is their big one and goat simulator obviously mm -hmm. <laughs> same people uh but so they they own everything practically and the freaky thing about this isn't that they're buying more stuff that's i think kind of to be expected we're in an era of acquisitions right um what's freaky to me is that they they bought it they, they're proposing to purchase this um for a pittance of 300 million dollars yeah that is that is surprising why How is deus ex so cheap it doesn't sound like a lot when it's so many, so many companies because or properties. Days X hasn't put out anything since Mankind Divided, which was twenty fifteen, and it was also meh. <laughs> and it was also yeah, it meh. was also kind of meh. Yeah, yeah. People... So I, I think there, there's kind of two ways you can go with this, right? You you can go, oh my god, they own everything, but also they do own everything, but at least they've been making things with the things that they own, right? Like, the, the, they're as creepy as in, as these big shadow organizations taking over everything goes. Embracer Group is actually making products um, along that, from the stuff that they've purchased. They're not just letting those IPs sit. Yeah, and they're, they're kind of like like Microsoft, I guess, are the big, are the big ones at the moment. They're, they're kind of still letting those it's it's not like they're buying these IPs to sunset them or mothball them or anything like that. The studios that work on these IPs, they they do Largely stuff with stay them. The same. They stay the and same. They do working. stuff and they make new things as well. So it's not that sounds alright. Yeah, yeah. The the only thing I guess like what theoretically I guess comes up is um, the the question of. Um, Oh, what's it? Oh God, I'm like totally blanking on the term, like creating monopolies and that sort of stuff. But I guess because you have like Microsoft over in the US and then Embracer Group obviously in Scandinavia and then you have Tencent over in China, that doesn't really apply here, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I don't know. So 
we'll see what comes out of this. So the co-founder and CEO uh, and group CEO of Embracer Group uh, has this quote on this uh, on their official Embracer.com website, which is a scary as hell name, by the way. Um, prepare to be embraced. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we are thrilled to welcome these studios into the Embracer Group, and we recognize the fantastic IP and world class creative talent, and track the record of excellence that have been that has that have been demonstrated time and time again over the past decades. It has been a great pleasure meeting with the leadership teams and discussing future plans and how they can realize their ambitions and become a great part of Embracer, says Lars Lars Wingford. I'm not even going to try. Uh, Co-founder and group CEO of Embracer Group. Yeah, it's, it's not like, you know, all those acquisitions by EA where then the IP just dies because they shattered the studio into nothingness, basically. So, I, I mean, could we live without this acquisition? Probably. Is it going to ruin those IPs? Probably not. So I, I'm delightfully neutral about this acquisition, I guess. Like, I don't think anything bad is going to happen. And if we get new IP, like if we get new content in, the, in those IPs, good. And there, yeah. there's also the thing worth noting that um, so the, the Japanese gaming company, uh, I'm, I'm reading off of a, a, an article on The Guardian right now where it says, the Japanese gaming company behind Final Fantasy is selling off three studios, including the rights to hit franchises, including Tomb Raider, in a $300 million deal. And the, the Tokyo-based Square Enix has sold the U.S. headquarters of Crystal Dynamics, Canada-based Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal to the NASDAQ-listed Swedish gaming Embracer Group. And they intend to take that money and put it into blockchain technology for their existing and future product pro projects. So Yay. there's part of me here as well kind of thinking that Square Enix is making some... Is it fair to say questionable decisions? Yeah. 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 Just like from a business perspective, I wouldn't want to be working in a studio right now in games that's going, hey guys, metaverse. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> especially, especially selling <laughs> like off. Might, it's it's you might really make a weird lot of money in the next year or two or the first release bit, but I don't see those ga ga games that are pay to earn having any kind of longevity. Yeah, but any uh, no NFT game has actually had any success with any nfts at all like they all everybody's just like all right let's do this yay and then they're like oh crap and then they there, just there's, a, there's <laughs> a few niche cases of games that have sold a lot of money worth of nfts um like will wright's game and a few other but like that that, that have uh, pierre molyneux game as well but those games are essentially just like cash farms I, yeah <laughs> so yeah i don't know if, so if you could even uh, call them games um, yeah i mean they don't even exist yet really no, they do. In certain, case, in certain cases, they, they don't. They, they do. I, I know somebody who plays one of them, and he's made, like, he's, he's he was saying that he was making, like, five euros a day or something. <laughs> Off okay. of the game that he bought into for, like, 300 bucks early or something. But, like... Okay, interesting. It's still kind of a shrug. Yeah. Even those ones <laughs> that are succeeding are only succeeding because people think they can make money on them. And I, I, I would be very, as kind of a fan of Deus Ex, I was actually at a point going, I'm never going to get another one. And the next one I do is going to have cryptocurrency in it. Oh, so be a I'm mobile actually game. a little bit relieved <laughs> that it's in potentially safer hands. Yeah. Um, it is also. Creepy monopolies aside. 
Yeah, it's also interesting to see how Square Enix is like, because they didn't sell anything of their their local stuff, all their local Japanese stuff. They're just pushing away all the the foreign things, and they're kind of like focusing like inwards again. That's that's also, I don't know if that's like a like a post pan or well, it's not really post, but is it is that a pandemic thing or or have so they just Square realized Enix as Sorry for I interrupted you. Yeah, no, no. I was just, I, or have they just realized that they that that it just doesn't work between like the Japanese type of game devving and like American type or like North American game? Like I don't know. Like why would you throw? A, I just don't understand why you would throw away such iconic IPs for so little money just to jump on the nft bandwagon I, I don't understand so i don't know if this is mismanagement expectations or a combination of both on square's side but they have this weird systemic problem where whenever one of their studios releases something as if it's a western studio um it comes out like there's this notorious headline from uh tomb raider 2 the the sec i can't i can never remember the subtitles of the tomb raider games but it was like sells two point something million copies in first two months and square enix says it's a like didn't meet expectations yeah that's true and that yeah. that was always that was like the meme around their western releases was always didn't meet expectations I and mean, they it's been like that for over a decade Every time so, one of those studios would release something, didn't meet expectations. They just have way too high expectations. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that sounds successful to me. Problem or something. Yeah, that's it's really strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's always been strange. Yeah, but then like, like those Tomb Raider games are great, and they did well, and people like them a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really strange to me to throw away the Tomb Raider IP for three hundred million like plus others together like i mean yes thief hasn't had anything like forever deus ex also has been a while i actually looked it up it's 2016 but that's even that's six years ago mankind divided but how and how it seems weird to throw imagine that away how much already. like a team of 20 people told to make a really fancy looking remaster of deus ex one would sell yeah, exactly. Like, it doesn't need yeah. to be super fan. Like, it doesn't need to be AAA graphics or anything. Like, just like, a, mm. just give us like a nice art style that fits that old look, like up-res it a, a, enough. Make it look like, you know, those boomer shooters that are very popular and just like, put that out. Make it run. Yeah. <laughs> Not crash. And make the shooting feel good. <laughs> Unlike that old game where it's like, pfft. It's like a wet <laughs> fart. <laughs> but, yeah, no, yeah. they can definitely make stuff with, like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know maybe they will now. Yeah. Well, hopefully something like comes out of that again and like this kind of like revitalizes those those franchises again. That'd be great, I think. Yeah. Well, guess we'll see. Speaking of cryptocurrency. Uh, yeah. In in other news, do, I mean, do you want to? You you can take it from there. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to start us off. So NVIDIA has to pay 5.5 million US dollars um, because they obscured how many GPUs were sold to cryptocurrency miners. And apparently, yeah, that's that's a problem because they just didn't say it outright. It's unsustainable growth. If you inflate your numbers and don't tell people that your numbers inflating is unsustainable, then when it crashes, you get in trouble. 
Hmm. That's sim simple as that. Like the, you're you're selling a lot of GPUs, and they're they're saying, oh, we're only selling these many GP this many GPUs to these people, and this many GPUs to these people. We have all this demand, so obviously we, we're growing, so our stock goes up. Mm -hmm. And then when they're like, actually, you sold like four times the amount that you said that you sold to these people. That you could have like sold to those people that had the demands, but instead you just yeah. yeah, it's it's weird. So they threw they threw in basically the the demand and the sales from gaming and cryptocurrency mining. They threw that all into like one number, while at the same time they mentioned crypto in all of other like all of their other reports. Crypto showed up, but not in sales, and then. Um, basically this kind of like people kind of found out that most of their GPU sales were crypto or like a lot of them work for crypto miners because um, this is this is obviously this is not the stuff that's like super recent. This is from like 2018, 2017. So this is like, you know, several years ago um, when when crypto crashed in 2018 and Nvidia suddenly as a result of that, they had to um, they, they, they lowered their expected earnings for that quarter by 500 million dollars which is a lot it's more so than tomb raider yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that gives True. you that gets you almost two tomb raiders thieves and deus exes yeah. it's like one and, <laughs> and a half lara croft <laughs> so so basically so basically they were clearly very heavily involved in that market without telling people that they were that their demand was up because of crypto mining so much. So the shareholders basically filed a lawsuit saying, you said this was because gaming is taking off, but it's crypto, which is like not reliable and kind of, you know, unstable and can theoretically crash kind of at any moment. So you're not being truthful here. And yeah, now that that lawsuit has been uh, settled and they pay... Yeah, they have to pay that fine. Mm -hmm. Doesn't feel like a very big fine. No, no, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. Like as somebody who who wants to who buys a graphics card maybe every three four years, maybe it's been a while. I, last time I bought a graphics card was twenty seventeen. Um, yeah. So I, I buy a graphics card normally every three four years. I haven't been able to buy one because prices Same. started going up back then. Mm -hmm. And yep. we live in a world where I will buy a graphics card and then covet it for four years and then buy an upgrade when, when I can afford it, right when the next ones are coming out. But, and then there's these idiots on the internet who have 700 in a room running 24 seven and they throw them all in a dumpster uh, when the new round comes out. And that, I don't, yep. it's cool yeah. technology, but stop it people, please. <laughs> Leave some for card. the rest of us. Ah! Yes. yes. <laughs> we need them to, I need them to work. I I'm uh, I don't know I I'm still on a 1080 Ti and um 1070 but, not even the like, Ti version <laughs> yeah it it works it's, it's still a powerhouse it's it's still a powerhouse but with the new games especially like indie games are fine whatever like most of them like there's of no course. problem but like with the AAA games it's starting to get there definitely and i need I, I have like this thing where i now have to like i don't know if it's the graphics card or my monitor but like i have to play with vsync on otherwise i just get such super terrible screen tearing it's just and yeah i don't know i i want an upgrade 
Mm. I don't need it, but I want it. <laughs> well, we we all need upgrades. Some um, and YouTube yeah. needs to up their numbers if they want to be relevant. Yeah, talking talking about that. So it's uh, it's May now, which means the first quarter of twenty twenty two is already over. Where has the time gone? Ooh, like we're past that already. Ooh, like right. yeah, is <laughs> um, so. But yeah, anyways, the first quarter of the year is already over. Um, like even more actually, because uh, the first quarter is just January, February, March. Sorry, we're almost yeah. into the second quarter. But the reports for the first quarter now are coming out. And this is by uh, Stream Hatchet and Stream Labs, but unfortunately they do. They are like they have the numbers. <sighs> yeah, they have the numbers and they do the research and um, they uh, they um, um, they are one of the two kind of that do these big reports about like streaming numbers, and they like look at numbers over years. They compare numbers between now uh twitch youtube and facebook gaming and um basically um there was like this big, big headline on twitch where it's like oh my god streaming is uh, not not twitch sorry twitter streaming is like you know in decline and viewership is like stagnant that's actually not the key takeaway like i saw i saw like the tweet and like it's like the the author of the tweet didn't understand what it is it is that Numbers have not declined. Growth has shrunk a little bit, which mm -hmm. means new viewers. There's less new viewers coming in, which makes sense. People are going outside again. People are going outside again. Exactly. Absolutely. But it's not that the numbers have declined like any way uh, significantly. Um, takeaway things are. Um, People in, in the first quarter of 2022 still watch as much Twitch as the people in last quarter of 2021. Um, mm -hmm. The total hours watched across all platforms compared to the year before um, in that quarter went down by 8%, but that's because we can now go outside again. <laughs> and it's, you yeah. know, it's, it's safer to go outside and to, to do other things. And people are like resuming their hobbies a little bit more and makes sense that and people have to go into the office like just just the amount of people like you probably noticed that in the in your communities as well but there's just the sheer amount of people who are now not there every day of the week anymore because they're maybe on like a split working from home model like three days in the office two at home or whatever like i've noticed that so obviously that would globally I have too. yeah that would be reflected on on this of course um so, but it's still, you know, streaming is still there. It's, it's, people are watching. I mean, 8 billion hours watched is a lot of content in three months. Like, that's so a lot. Just, just for the total hours watched for Q1, uh, Twitch, 6.13 billion, YouTube gaming, yeah. 1.13 billion, Facebook gaming, 803 million, assuming we trust Facebook's numbers, which they lie about Fudge. yeah exactly so basically takeaway is uh twitch is king 76 um, percent yeah. the bad percent but still a good percent yeah 76 is, is total hours watched um that comes a little bit because total hours streamed on twitch is also 91.5 percent so there are just a lot more people making content on the platform which means there's a lot more people watching content on the platform but seventy six percent is still like 
freaking significant. Um, Twitch actually also had growth compared to like last quarter of 2021 in 2022. So that's also significant. Whereas year over year for all of the other platforms, hours streamed and hours watched have significantly declined. Like even on like um like YouTube, um, compared to like when it was in its like, you know, heyday, numbers are going down. So so you know. Uh, I remember yeah, they you... also recently brought on people like Tim the Tatman who's moved yeah, over. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, they there's they this circle of friends that are very big in the streaming space that every three years they all get paid to go to a different platform they all make a ruckus on twitter because they all have hundreds of thousands if not millions of followers on, on twitter they go to that platform everybody screams the old platform they just left is dead their followers follow them some of them do the rest of them stay on twitch and then three years later they come back yep exactly mm -hmm. and like, the cycle you... just repeats itself like we're, we're it talking does, about monopolies yeah. here twitch is the current monopoly in streaming absolutely and yeah, yeah. like i'm looking at the total hours streamed in q1 and youtube has 3.5 percent facebook has five percent and twitch is 91.5 as you said right and yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to a friend of mine techud who's a uh, he's a door fortress youtuber and streamer right he started off on youtube primarily streaming and making videos on youtube but he's moved his stream to twitch and I asked him, I was like, what is the main advantage of Twitch versus YouTube just as a content creator? And he says, Twitch is one URL. If you want to tell someone to come see you live, you give them the Twitch URL. For YouTube, you could give them your channel URL, but that won't take them to the live stream. That'll take them to your channel. You have to wait until your live stream is live, and then you get a unique link, which you can then send to a person, and then they can come watch you. Yeah. Which... I didn't know that. For he, he says that's the reason it kills it because with Twitch you can have people waiting there. Yep. For you to start. Yeah. With YouTube, if they are just waiting there on your channel idling, YouTube stream's not gonna pop up. Chat's not gonna just Chat. automatically pop up there. They but have to can... click on a video in their subscriptions to get to the stream. Yeah, but you can't theoretically on YouTube schedule a live stream and then yeah, but who takes part in those mechanics, like or, or in those functions? That, that, like then, that's that, that's a fraction yeah. of your audience that's gonna. Yeah, take the problem part is that. then if you if you shatter your live stream, you then have to spend a significant amount of time to promote that particular URL on all of your platforms instead of typing like twitchtv slash fg square done. You know, yeah, yeah, and, so exactly. And you don't yeah, have the yeah. people like we do that are there ten minutes before you start because they know okay in ten minutes they're live on this URL exactly mm -hmm. yeah. I, I mean, and if like, you have a large subscriber base on YouTube and as somebody who's growing pretty rapidly on YouTube right now, I can say that like, yeah, there are people that wait for the thing, but it's it's much more difficult just from a usability perspective to get people into the live stream. Yeah, and that absolutely. seems to be the biggest problem. The biggest issue that I see with Facebook is it's Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's it. They, yeah, they, they, what yeah. Facebook really needs to do is they need to call it metagaming or something and put it into the Instagram app and make it all about like in-person real life streaming and just merge their Instagram stuff with their Facebook gaming stuff. That's what they really need to do or call it Instagram gaming or something. And then people would be into it, but I don't know. Yeah. But like, if you, mm -hmm. if you look at everything else, like, yes, everybody, everybody has seen a decline compared to quarter 21, but it's just like 25% or 26% of channels 
that streamed on YouTube a year ago have stopped. That's a that's a significant amount of like just content creators that tried it and they were just like, nope. Like I have a whole bunch of people that are the way that Twitch affiliates are partners who moved over, who I'm just they're coming back. They they were like this whole bandwagon like. You know, especially like that with the hate trains, uh, hate, hate trains, hate raids last year. They were like, we're going to move to this platform that cares about their viewers. And they give us like moderation to wah, 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 wah. We're making this big move to like this, 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 this platform where we're being supported. The funny thing is, is they say They're that like YouTube back. does anything to protect you from harassment. Yeah, exactly. They don't. They don't. <laughs> As they somebody who's been don't. getting harassment, <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's there. Uh, you can't really escape. If you if you don't want to be the center of tension yeah. and have people yell at you, you're in the wrong industry. Is I mean, how I feel. A little bit. At least the thing is, you need to you need to equip yourself. Obviously, in an idea world, it wouldn't happen. But we don't live in an idea world, so you need to equip yourself with tools that help you handle that sort of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, singing along with cute sounds. <laughs> uh, this is just this is just a neat little thing that I found, and I threw that into this um, thing. So, um, Timberborn. I I, I want to say I've talked about this game on this here as well because I played it. And oh, so Timberborn, sure. just as a like a quick, what the heck is Timberborn? TLDR. Timberborn is a city builder. Um, that uh, the devs call beaver punk because it's beavers. It's post-apocalyptic. Humans are gone. There's only beavers. There's only wood, and uh, it has a really neat like drought mechanic with water. As a Primus that fan, that means something very different. Uh, yeah. Anyways, but <laughs> yeah. Also, beavers and wood, and there goes the rating of the episode. <laughs> this is now an explicit podcast. I already yeah, have one curse yeah, word I need to censor. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, basically it's, it's a, it's a city builder with beavers, um, uh, in early access. They, they're doing some cool stuff. They're like, they're pretty involved with their community. Like they had like a neat little update, um, as a reaction to the, like the war in Ukraine. They threw in like a, they, they rushed the Ur Ukrainian translation. They put in like sunflowers as a crop in the game and that sort of stuff. Like they did doing some, some, you know, kind of cool little stuff. And, um, they're coming up with a new thing, um, also, they actually also did. Well, first of all, they, what they also did before they 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 came up with this idea, they did. They were the main driving force behind the Earth Appreciation Sale on Steam, that um, uh, happened a couple of weeks ago last month, and um, basically they donated a, per, a number, a cut of those uh, the the proceeds, like the sales that they made from the game and the soundtrack to like help um, um, animals. In, in Poland, sorry, that's pretty cool. And they did that. And then they came up with this cool idea. Um, it's a community project that they're working on because um, it has a, has a pretty prolific soundtrack. And they're doing this thing where they're taking a shanty from the 18th century, 19th century, whatever, it doesn't matter. They, they, take, a, they take a shanty. They uh, rewrote it to fit it, uh, to fit it along with the beavers. And they're doing a community sing-along. So... You can. Um, uh, they have a video. They have a. They have like a whole news article and whatnot. How to how to participate and whatnot. Uh, basically, 
Uh, they're having the community join in for the chorus. You can record yourself singing, ideally with a video if you like, because they're going to make a whole video project out of it. And they're going to merge it all together. And they, they're going to have like the entire community just sing in the game. And it's kind of a cool, neat little idea. And it doesn't matter if you don't can't sing, because the more people sing, the better it's going to sound. So even if you sing badly, it's still going to sound good. Sorry. And it's also worth noting that their uh, deadline for this is May 13th, 2022. So this yeah. podcast will go up on the 8th. So you have the week, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Part. Are you sending in your voice, FG? Yes, I will do that. It's just, Kira, it's just a cool little thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, uh, I didn't plan on doing it, but I mean, it sounds really fun. I mean, why yeah, not? It's just a... Why don't we all do it? Should we that, all do it? Because we're here. Like, we're not, like we don't need to do it right Halcyon. now. But no, I don't know. No, but <laughs> yeah. like, Halcyon and Timberborn. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Why not? Just, just a... Why not? Yeah, it's gonna be fun. C- Consider voice thing. acting experience. This is a professional true, true. thing that you. Yeah, <laughs> no, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds really fun. Yeah. Lovely. And talking and... about more fun. Sorry, I just took yeah. that away from you. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Because it's, it's good. quite hilarious. Um, EVE Online came up with a really uh, cool thing that they announced the other day. Uh, so what, tell us about that, Blind. What are they doing? Oh, I have to take this one? Okay, so EVE, Eve Online. Oh, you? oh sorry. Um, oh, no. Oh. You were taking it from me, and now you gave it to Blind. Oh. But that's okay. Oh, no, no go ahead. Sorry. I messed it all up. All right, fire me. <laughs> FG is now gone from the podcast. Goodbye. Like, I'm, I've been fired. <laughs> no, I don't care. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I I care. You need to stay here, FG, but I don't care about who's going to talk about am this. I, am I reading this subject line or? <laughs> yes, okay. go ahead, Blind. Um, so, so once a year, um, Eve Online uh, has a company meeting, and by that I mean a alleged convention where business owners in the video game show up to uh, talk about their business portfolios and threaten to assassinate each other. They have an annual convention, um, and when when this can at, at at Eve Fan Fest this year, uh, they announced this, and it came out alongside of this tweet, which says, "This is not a joke." EVE Online and Microsoft Excel is happening. Soon you will be able to transport in-game date your to in-game data directly into Excel spreadsheets in a space made easy. And the crowd is loving this. Um, so TLDR, they're giving you like an Excel spreadsheet export button for in-game. Um, it's really not that complicated. It's basically just like they they they're partnering with Microsoft to have proper like support. And I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I don't know what you use it for because I've, I have played EVE Online once, but that was for a completely different thing. And I, I only saw like a mini game in it. So I don't know what you would use it for, but just having the ability to make a spreadsheet and then, I don't know, okay, so you do know something Kings? with it. It's amazing. Yes. Okay. You know how Crusader Kings is like a lot of numbers and dials? Is it? And a lot of stats. I mean, yeah, every, you have a lot of stats. Every yeah. character has a lot of stats. Okay, multiply that by sure, 750 sure, sure. million. And then it's Eve. Sorta. <laughs> so, okay. so, so Eve is Eve is this because Eve is like for those who don't know, it's it's been like this really long running space MMO. It's all spreadsheets. It's all just spreadsheets and stats, basically. It's a, it's a space game, and, yeah. but everything in the game is player owned and operated, including space stations. So like yeah. You you can equate like a real world dollar value to these ships. If if Evil Mind was made now, it would be a blockchain game and it would never succeed. But because yeah, exactly. it's been <laughs> around for twenty years and it's this weird like thing that allegedly has fifty thousand people playing at all times, when in reality I think it's probably closer to twenty and just they're all logged into five accounts. Um, it's 
it, it's it's a like the guy the, the the two people that I know that were really into Eve Online a couple of years ago and now are both a couple of years clean. Um, they both would run like fifteen accounts concurrently. Wow. Yeah, and it's like at the same time, like... and they'd be playing Tarkov, and it's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm at war. Why? All of my ships are parked in insert sector here, and we're playing Tarkov until we're told to go kill thing or RuneScape if it was like they have to go to war <laughs> sooner so that they can just minimize RuneScape and do whatever. Um, but yeah, there's there's okay. like fighting and there's intrigue and there's hostile takeovers of like in-game like because you just have like companies. Read up on the anime and... wars and the yeah. thousands of real-world dollars that were lost an hour in ships. Because one space pope didn't like the other fact, like player run factions taste in anime. It's, it's okay. It's, I love it's reading about evil universe. Hate playing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any case, I think that's a really cool thing to have, like an export button for for Microsoft Excel. It yeah, needs it. I yes. like it. Yeah. Nice. That covers all the news for today for this podcast. Blind, we've heard you have like a little game show for us. Yeah, so I spent a bit of time playing the, well, it was Star Wars Day. May the 4th was just this week and Revenge of the 5th happened the day after. Um, And I was at one point a major Star Wars buff and then it was all ruined by Disney. But... um, while playing this dwarf, very, very elaborate Dwarf Fortress mod uh, for Star Wars, it came to my mind that I can't tell the difference between half of these Star Wars creatures and Pokemon. So I'm going to play this little game with you two, and it's just going to be you, you both choose an answer, and then I will say what it is. It's very simple. We could score it if you want, but it doesn't really matter. Um, is this a Pokemon or is this a Star Wars creature? So I'm going to read a name for you. And I, I want you both to guess what you th- whether or not you think it's a Pokemon or a Star Wars creature, and then I will tell you what the thing is. Yeah, Does also, okay. yeah, important to note is, yes, I have played one Pokemon game. I have not watched the show. I basically know nothing, so I, like, know no Pokemon. So that's, Kiri has to carry me. Okay, another disclaimer I've played lots of Pokemon and I've watched lots of the show when I was a kid in German. So I know some English Pokemons. Let's see. It's going to be interesting. (laughs) Yes. So the first one I have here is called Bordock. Star Wars. That could be an English Pokemon. (laughs) It could be, but that feels, for me, that feels Star Wars. And do you know how how I feel it feels Star Wars? Because I think it's spelled B-O-R-D-O-C in, without a K, and that's very Star Warsy, and that's my that's my reasoning why I say Star that is Wars. that is good reasoning. Blind, what is it? So are you are you are you split or are you both on Pokemon side or Star Wars side rather? We're split. Okay, I I stick with Pokemon. Okay, okay. so Bordock, spelled B-O-R-D-O-K. Oh, uh, is a herbivorous aquine uh, animal native to the forest moon of Endor. Well, I was right. Oh, My reasoning go. was incorrect. But the, the reasoning was was not good, the, but I thought it was. The reasoning wasn't good, but you were correct. It is a Star Wars creature. Yay! Very nice. <laughs> 
So the next one I have here is Houndor. Pokemon. Probably. I'm pretty sure that's a Pokemon. That name scene. That I've I've heard that name, I think. Houndor is based on the Doberman and Rottweiler. Houndors have a reputation for being aggressive, relentless, and and, and relentless in hunts. It's a Pokemon from Gen 2, All right. I think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the next one here is Feebas. That's that's a Star Wars thing. <sighs> Maybe. <laughs> I oh. I don't Mm, yeah, I think so too. I think I, I'm trying to like rack my brain about like words that I've heard from people that play Pokemon, and that is not a <laughs> word I've heard from people oh. that play Pokemon. So, yeah, I think I concur with Kiri that it's Star Wars. Feebas is a water type Pokemon introduced in Generation Three. Yeah. And was also right, well. uh, apparently notorious for being one of the most pains to actually catch and even worse to evolve. Uh, according uh, to I just question why Pokemons were even translated to other languages. <laughs> like, wh why? Japan! <laughs> oh. yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well. This next one I have here is Dercolo. That sounds Star Wars y. Yeah. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Dercolo are a sentient species native to the planet Salaron? Salaron? Salaron. I think. Star Wars. Awesome. Never heard of it. Yep. But good. Yep. Yeah. We go. All right. I, These I are did all canon, also... too. So. Oh, nice. I, I did just Google uh, Phoebus. And you know what? It's like... The Japanese name makes so much more sense because... Like, Phoebus is spelled F-E-E-B-A-S. It's a fish-type Pokemon. And then you have the Japanese name of Hinbas, who, Hinbasu, because, you know, Japanese can't have a, um, um, the S without the U at the end. But mm -hmm. it's actually, like, yeah, it's just, it's it's spelled, like, bass, like the fish. So, I don't know. It's weird. Anyways, yeah. continue. This next one I have here is Blurg. 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 Um. <laughs> I'm trying to think. If this were a Pokemon, what type would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. Vomit. It'd be a poison type. <laughs> it's a <Pokemon>. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, I think it's a Star Wars thing. It's it's too random of all a Pokemon name. <laughs> Blind is just laughing in the background as well. Yeah, that was not, okay. that, that fun does not make me confident in my in my in my choice here. <laughs> uh, what are you gonna say, FG? No, I was just gonna say like I, I'm saying I'm thinking Star Wars too, but the way that he, Blind laughs at your reasoning. Maybe he just made it up. Maybe it's none of it. Oh, maybe. Ooh, that he's, was a maybe curveball. Maybe tricking us. Ooh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I'll go with Star Wars. FG, do you have your decision? Yeah, Star Wars, yes. You're correct. Uh, Blurg is a non-sentient two-legged reptilian beast found throughout the galaxy. You need to look up a picture of a Blurg. How do you spell it? Because the first time I saw a Blurg, it's spelled B-L-U-R-R-G. I mm. almost died. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, those oh, is things. That thing? I know them. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know it was you called can ride them. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that either. Oh. It's like someone took a piranha and strapped it to a rhino. No, to a T Rex. To, to a T Rex. Yeah. Look at those small arms. Rhino feet and then like T Rex legs and arms. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, it. <laughs> Now, uh, this last one I have. Let's do one more. I've got one more. Uh, Perfect. This last one I have here is called Siphon. That's a Pokemon. Pokemon, I would say as well. Because, because of the Psy. I don't know why. Siphon is a zombie sentient humanoid that is believed what? to be evolved from another, other humanoid creatures like an ogre and feeds off the flesh of others. It's Star Wars. No, wow. it, it sounds like a Pokemon. It does. Yep. But hey, Aww. I mean, it's evolved, so it has the evolution. <laughs> yes. Very good point. They they appeared in the uh, Star Wars novel Darth Maul Shadowhunter. Whoa, okay. that is. That is, like, out there. <laughs> like, knowledge, like, yeah, okay. But yeah, I had to All do right, some digging cool. to find these. <laughs> but yeah. That was really fun, well though. Well done, though. Yeah, that was good. And difficult. But, um, yeah, so that that's my little game show. I didn't keep track of score, so the, the audience. Thank you, me neither. I just I had fun. That was hilarious. Okay with that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Thank you, Blind, for doing that, and thank you, Blind and FG, for joining me as a host today. It was it was interesting hosting an episode, but that was the House and Frequency podcast episode seventeen. I'm very honored to to host this. If you have no clue why I am the host today, seventeen is actually my favorite number. And basically the team, but also viewers said that I have to host this episode. So I did. You can find this podcast on halcyonfrequency.com. You can find our streams as well. And and all the links. The podcast is also on other platforms where you usually find podcasts on. And where else can we find you blind? Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L where I play too much Dwarf Fortress. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for too many hours. The rest of the week, you can find me over at youtube.com slash blind, but just blind IRL on YouTube and you'll find me there. And I tweet again on Twitter at blind IRL. Sweet. FG, where can people find you? You can find me under FG squared in a whole heck of a lot of places. That's uh, Twitch, YouTube, uh, Instagram. I'm doing more stuff over there. I'm trying to at least. TikTok, um, patreon and then i'm also on twitter but there's a sneaky underscore between the fg and the squared and uh, yeah i do stuff live five days a week and then i'm ghosting around on the other platforms as well very nice and i'm tv curie you can find me on twitch twitter instagram tiktok youtube um exactly that's it uh, i stream strategy strategy games indie games and we were all happy to see you in our streams. Check out the other team members as well. Listen to the podcast. Recommend it to people. Upvote it. Like it. Rate it. Comment it. Whatever. And if you want to ask us questions, we have a community Discord server where you can ask questions there. I think that's it for today. So we're going to say goodbye now. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good day. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.